0: Three, two, one, go. And we're live. This is Retrace segment number 106 for Wednesday, January 4th, 2023, 10 p.m. Eastern. 7 p.m. Pacific, Retrace is about what's going on out there. The short answer to that is computer control, by which we kind of mean what you probably mean when you think of AI. But it's way bigger than that. Long answer to that has come in fits and starts and waves that you should go review in... Uh, In the archives. Okay, so, what are we talking about? We are in day four, chapter four of our deep dive, AIMA4E, Artificial Intelligence and Modern Approach, the textbook 101 AI, textbook for AI, and uh, uh, local search and optimist... No, it's Search in Complex Environments, is the title for chapter four. I just... uh, Things are getting interesting. I keep saying that. I said it last time. I'm going to keep saying it. If things continue to keep getting... We're on, what, in the 120s, 140s, whatever... If things continue to get more interesting than the day before, things are going to be crazy interesting in about, uh, in about uh, three weeks. Okay. Um, a few technical terms have come up that, as I said in the title and as you would have noticed, uh, maybe that's the uh click-baity reason that you're watching this video. If you are watching this video and you're expecting me to talk about this, the, um, the imprecise English language ver- uh, meanings of those words... Okay, I might do that a little bit. No, I'm not going to do it that much because the thing that makes it interesting to us right now is the technical definitions. uh, The technical definitions of elitism, culling, coercion, adversaries, and strategy, which all come uh, in chapter four. But like the technical definitions always derive, I find, in technical things to the extent that I have experience with them, which is to say "Mm, a little bit – They derive from the real meanings. There's a lot of baggage is stripped away. And that that baggage is what makes it so, what makes the term so loaded. So let's unload it and then really load it into AI. All right, let's, what are we talking about here? So elitism and culling in evolutionary algorithms is what we're talking about first. I'll just read the passage that caught my eye as these things, uh, you know, One of them. Um, There are endless forms of evolutionary algorithms, and they vary in the following ways. And then they give a list, uh, population size, representation of the individual, um, uh, mixing numbers, the number of parents, the selection process, all this technical stuff that you can tweak and fiddle with if you're doing evolutionary algorithms. Um, But then the last one gets kind of – I don't know, gets a little bit – Gets a little bit too close to home, <laughs> not for me, but like for our civilization, I would say. Okay, uh, the makeup of the next generation is another thing that can that can uh, vary in genetic or in, in um, evolutionary algorithms. This can be just the newly formed offspring, or it can include a few top scoring parents from the previous generation. A practice called elitism, which guarantees that overall fitness will never decrease over time. So they're saying the new the next generation can either be all new. No parents, or there can be parents above a certain threshold of fitness, and they call that elitism. The latter thing they call elitism, and then the practice of culling, uh, which in which all individuals below a certain threshold are discarded, can lead to a speed up of, of the evolutionary algorithm. Okay, so these are red hot, not red hot. These are these are third rail. What are these? These are electrified, overheated. Ideas, like, social Darwinism, all this stuff, you know, this is like the origins of, part of the origins of Nazism and Nazis, the Nazis definitely jumped on board with it, um, I don't know the history of Nazism that well, but, yeah, like, if Darwin's right about, you know, we're better than, better, we are more fit than gorillas, well, maybe some of these humans are more like gorillas than I am, right? Right? don't start thinking that way and yet when when we're doing evolutionary algorithms which i'm not sure is wildly successful for for engineering purposes as as you know people had hoped although they i think they mentioned making using them to make airfoils to design airfoils um when we put it in the technical world of artificial intelligence computer science and artificial intelligence um yeah why not? I don't care if this population of strings or programs that's genetic programming um I don't care if this population feels like it's fair for me to call them or kill all their parents, but you know that's what you're doing with the You're not fit enough and you're not this generation is too unfit. We're gonna keep some of the parents around, so the gene pool stays. Elite, <laughs> you know, it's uh, like I'm, I'm being tongue in cheek. This is like the make this is this is the stuff of nightmares. So the, the, this is a recipe for nightmares and hell on Earth. If you start thinking this way about your fellow humans. So don't. Um, but I don't have to tell you that if you're the type of person who would think that way. You're not going to stop just because someone tells you. Um, but hang on a second. Like. You know, the and, and evolution is like this more generally. If you read The Selfish Gene, Richard Dawkins, you'll get, I, I feel like you come away with two things. First of all, it's way more complicated than it seems, evolution. Like, you can't just armchair it. And there's somebody, I don't remember who said it, but, you know, the strange thing about the theory of evolution is that everybody thinks they understand it. Um, it's very logical and mathematical. More logical than mathematical, but math is, is easily applied to the theory of evolution. Um, but the logic is hard, and it's very easy to think, oh, yeah, I know what would happen because of evolution, and then it's like, you don't. You, you don't. And, and like, the professional biologists make mistakes all the time, and Dawkins cata- catalogs them um, in The Selfish Gene and, and in the updates to that book and all that stuff. Anyway, evolution is, is a tough topic, but what, what you can be sure about also is that it's a harsh world described by evolution, very harsh. Um, but biologists, you know, they love their subject, and they don't really – nobody has any like – nobody gets really upset about the doom of Of a stupid animal, or a slow animal, or an animal with some genetic, you know, mutation. Nobody cares, right? Because we don't care that much about animals. Like only a few people do. We care about humans, right? Because there's only so much care to go around. We can't go around. Care- and this is our whole environmental problem. Why am I getting into this? I don't want to write all this up. Anyway, the point is, um, they're doing that in AI. They're they're not. They're taking just the the logical idea of evolution and its parameters and fiddling with them trying to do something productive and of course they should be doing that biologists are doing the same thing chemical not chemical engineers bioengineers are bioengineers they're not allowed to do a lot of stuff but anyway i don't know i don't know any bioengineers if you're a bioengineer write to me tell me what i should think about you um i and okay and this and this is maybe the more general theme of this Segment. No, 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 I'll get to that later. Okay, so that's the first hot button. Hot buttons topic, you know. It's like uh, evolution is not a nice thing if you're on the wrong side of it. Okay, uh, coercion in in sensorless problems, conformant problems. I wanted to say sensorless environments or sensorless search, but I think the problems is the most technical word I can put on it. I don't see justification for saying sensorless um, search or or. Right. Okay, anyway, so here's what they say on page 126. Consider a sensorless version of the deterministic vacuum world. They use the vacuum world to elucidate all kinds of search stuff. Almost all of it. Um, because it's it's a really useful toy problem. Really useful. Um, maybe more useful than, or at least as useful as Romania. No offense, Romania. Like, I'm sure you're good for a lot of things. But it just so happens... That your layout and your need for transportation insights and airport construction is very useful to us in AI. Look at me, us, like I'm part of it. Okay, anyway, uh, so they use vacuum worlds, uh, different different you know sort of uh, situations that have, that an automated vacuum, you know, an AI based vacuum could be in, and then and then the kind of vacuum. Okay, so anyway, in uh, in in a deterministic sensorless vacuum world assume that the agent knows the geography of its world but not its own location or the distribution of dirt in that case its initial belief state is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 okay belief state is just um, a list of states that you believe you might be in if you're in a um, you're in a sensorless world you don't know and it's uh, it's an unknown world to boot so you you instead of you know being in state 1 which is when you're in a uh, a known environment um you you have to adjust how you think and, and how you how you supp- what you supply to your algorithms um if you're in an unknown world or uh, as an example the sensorless world okay so you so our agent here our vacuum agent believes that it could be in any of the and then there are only eight states in this toy problem okay so any of the, your belief state is 1 4, 5 7 8 um now if the agent moves right it will be in one of okay so I should actually pull up if I can um figure what is it 4.9 okay fine 4.9 i, I knew i was going to use a different one but um show me for no that's not it no not 14.9 oh geez there we go uh no here one two three 4, five seven eight these are the um the states that our little um sensorless vacuum can be in okay um if you believe whoops what am i doing oh yeah okay uh Okay, so now if the agent moves right, it will be in one of the states 2, 4, 6, and 8. Let's have a look, okay? So it starts out in 1, and it moves to the right. So it can, so any of these over here, 2, 4, 6, 8, it, it moves. And this, I think this assumes, too, that, that the agent is – doesn't – it's a deterministic environment – which means basically the vacuum, in our toy problem, it means the vacuum doesn't slip. Like, it doesn't try to move right and then fail to do so. It's not slippery. It's not a slippery world. Uh, so so if, it says, if, it, it, if it executes the action move right, it starts out in state one, then it definitely ends up in state two, four, six, or eight. Okay. Uh, great. Um, the agent, okay, so uh, now if the agent moves right, it will be in one of the states, two, four, six, eight. Uh, the agent has gained information without perceiving anything. That's what's wild about it you it is a sensorless vacuum and it knows the geography so it knows there are eight states um but it doesn't and i don't remember if it knows the yeah it's sensorless so it, it knows it knows that which um squares have dirt in them um because it's it knows, i think that's considered part of the ge- geography i don't know uh and and so um and then after so the next one is after right and then suck which is you know what the vacuum does if you're not aware um Okay, so it moves right, and then it sucks up the dirt. And now, what do we know? We know that it's either in 4 or 8. Okay? So we're sort of narrowing this down. Is that what they say? Let's make sure I got this right. Uh, Right suck, the agent will end up... Yeah, 4 or 8. And finally, after right suck, left suck... I know, I don't want to keep saying it that way either, but they do it throughout the whole first few chapters. Um, So it's in four or eight, and then it moves left, and it sucks up some dirt. Then it can only be in state seven. Show me seven. Did I do it right? It can only be in the goal state of seven. No matter what the start state, we say that the agent can coerce the world into state seven. And actually, I said it wrong. I guess you don't have to start in state one. If you start in two four six or eight and you move right then you'll still be in two four six or eight because when you move right into a wall you just stay where you are if you start in one three five or seven you move right you'll end up in these so even you don't have to start in state one the point is we're coercing the environment have i said that that point It, it we're coercing the environment without even paying attention to it only by knowing its geography have we been able to coerce the environment into the goal state now if you weren't sure about the power of AI, now this might not seem like AI to you, but that's what's even more important about it. This is very basic stuff. This is just think it through sort of stuff. Now, all, everything in math and AI and computing is like that, but it's like think it through. is There's think it through, and then there's t- 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 you know, 2,700 steps in human history that, involve, that were involved in the think it through. This is not one of those. The idea that's so noticeable, that's so salient, is that um, you can coerce an environment – if you know the environment to start with, you don't have to know where you are. You don't know, have to know what's going on. Now, this is offline search because we're not actually – we're not in some sort of loop with the environment where you, you have to like uh, consider perception of the environment. And you know, online search, we can plan the whole thing. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, offline search, we, can, we plan the whole thing in advance. Online search, and it's like we're sort of in a more realistic loop, a feedback loop with the environment. Um, but anyway, coercion. Have you ever felt coerced? Have you ever worried about being coerced? If you, if you listen to this podcast, you should. There's some paranoia in this podcast. Paranoia is fun. Life is more interesting. If you're not paranoid sometimes, you're missing out. It's fun to think about this stuff. So anyway, vacuums might be coercing us into their goal state. Next topic. Um, adversaries. These aren't all in pagination order. Hey, had notice. Adversaries and dead ends in online search. This is from page 136. Online explorers are vulnerable to dead ends. Oh, I got to show you a graphic. I'll show you a graphic in a second. Online explorers are vulnerable to dead... Online, again, means you're in sort of... You're in a feedback loop with the environment, so you're not planning all your actions in advance. You're actually making decisions based on the percepts you receive in the environment during execution. Okay, online explorers are vulnerable to dead ends. States from which no goal state is reachable. If the, if the agent doesn't know what each action does, it might execute the jump into bottomless pit action and thus never reach the goal. In general, no algorithm can avoid dead ends in all state spaces. Consider the two dead end state spaces in figure 420A. Let's consider those two dead end state spaces. Uh, 420, again, 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 again. I must be near it. Uh, there it is. So, uh, I'll just read the caption here, two state spaces, we're just talking about A right now, so two state spaces that might lead an online search agent into a dead end. Any given agent will fail in at least one of these spaces because you can't, if you don't know the environment, you start at S, you go to A, and then you make a move to an unknown thing, and then you make one more move, and then you're at a dead end. You can't tell the difference based on that series of of uh, steps, whether you're in the dead end, or in the goal state, unless you test for the goal state. But the point is these things look the same to an online agent, going this way to a dead end and going this way to a dead end. Okay? Um, okay, so that's 420. An online search algorithm that has visited states S and A cannot tell if it is in the top state or the bottom one. Um, yeah, the S and A. I guess you can't tell which one you're at here. Um, I, I went a bit too far by saying that you get all the way to the dead end. Uh, Because if you're testing for a goal state, you're going to know you're not in the dead end. But anyway, uh, okay. Therefore, there is no way it could know how, hang on, hang on. Uh, Cannot tell if it's in the top state or the bottom one. Uh, The two look identical based on what the agent has seen. Therefore, there is no way it could know how to choose the correct action in both state spaces. This is an example of an adversary argument. We can imagine an adversary constructing the state space while the agent explores it. And putting the goals and dead ends wherever it chooses as in figure 420B. And here they describe this uh, as a a two-dimensional environment that can cause an online search agent to follow an arbitrarily inefficient route to the goal. Whichever choice the agent makes, the adversary blocks that route with another log, uh, with with another long, thin, it might be a log. No, it's a long, thin wall. With another long, thin wall so that the path followed is much longer than the best possible path. Okay? So, adversaries, not this guy is my enemy or these people are working at opposite purposes. Technical adversarial argument we're talking about here. We're, get, we're taking these squishy English words and not stripping them of their, their common sense meaning, just making their common sense meaning more technical or, or making a technical meaning out of their con- – and what does it mean? When you make things technical, you're making technology, tools – for dealing with this stuff. I'm going to tell you why I care about this or why this excited me in a second. Okay, that's adversaries and dead ends. Strategy in partially observable and non-deterministic environments. That's what this whole chapter is about, by the way. It's like the more complex search. um, And and, uh, what's the third one? Uh, It's not, anyway, it doesn't matter. Okay, Um, in partially observable and non-deterministic environments, the solution to a problem is no longer a sequence, but rather a conditional plan sometimes called a contingency plan or strategy that specifies what to do depending on what percepts agent receives. And that's, I think it's a typo, it should, the agent. I should, think it should be should, the agent. On what percepts the agent receives while executing the plan. Okay, so strategy. Friedman, <laughs> where is he? He's not up here. He's in the basement. Um, I don't even remember his first name. Friedman wrote, a book called strategy. He's the same guy who wrote, uh, co-wrote the nuclear strategy book. They, he spends this many pages sideways. This thing is like, it's like 1200 pages, uh, trying to, trying to define for, uh, strategy. And I've seen other people try to do it too. They didn't take that many pages. It's a good book, but he doesn't define strategy. Um, they did. The, 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 it's a conditional plan in a partially observable or non-deterministic or both environment. Conditional plan It specifies what to do depending on what percepts the agent receives while executing the plan. That might not seem very useful to you when you're having a conversation with someone about strategy or when you're trying to get a job as a strategist or you're trying to comment or commentate on someone else's strategy, but it is a very technically useful way of using that word. These ideas and this chapter in particular, and I'm starting to get into the parts of the book that I have not read thoroughly like i i think up to page like 120 maybe yeah something like that maybe maybe less like 110 um i had read like like last year like q4 of last year i read pretty carefully but now we're getting into chapter 4 which i've i've only dipped throughout the rest of the book i haven't read anything very thoroughly uh from here going forward so i so this is the first time i've read this stuff um it's the first time i've ever thought oh that's the answer and that's the what the answer to what um major murphy uh Jacques vallee's major murphy uh messengers of deception problem this i he you know major murphy's not the guy's name but it's a pseudonym vallee uses for some guy in military intelligence or you know in in the military it's to do with ufo's and what is it all about and all that stuff um and that Major Murphy makes the point that like scientists can't investigate these. Things. If if we're dealing with um, intelligent agents, uh, science will fail because science assumes things like the constancy of nature and it assumes that a natural phenomenon is not trying to evade it. Um, that's what this is about. That's exactly what – what's the answer? If science isn't the answer, what's the answer? Artificial intelligence. I mean – you know, it depends on how you define it, but it's artificial intelligence is not just a science. It's an engineering discipline. And it's really not more of one or the other. It's it's part and parcel. Like they say at the beginning of the book, you know, we have to decide what AI is before we start. Do you decide or do you discover? Well, in AI, you do both. You have to do both. We don't really know how to investigate intelligence without building it. Vico style. You know, I only know what I build. AI can handle what science can't. Is that true? I I'm, that's what I'm thinking. That's what I thought when I, when I put these things together. Which is weird because I've never thought of AI as being outside of science or outside of engineering. But if it can handle things that science can't, it has to be. I don't know. I'm just I'm just talking. Um, and it, obviously, it's not about aliens. Like aliens are like a good. Intellectual test, I don't know if there's anything to it, but it's a, it's an intellectual test like can can your way of thinking handle even if there are adversarial agents in your environment about which you have you know the ninety five percent of information that's easy to get, not the five percent that's expensive? you got to go back and listen to a few retraces to know what I'm talking about here, but this is and I'll put them in the notes, but this is what we're talking about so anyway, if you weren't convinced yet. That we were headed in the right direction. I mean, it doesn't—it doesn't have to. I gotta get off this aliens thing. People are gonna think like, "Oh, I thought no." But like, the major Murphy problem is what's interesting when you when your adversary is an intelligent agent, and we're all in this situation all the time. I mean, it's—it's it's usually not, uh, you know, it's nothing dramatic. It's like you're in elementary school and somebody's picking on you, or you're picking on someone and then they get you somebody. You know, they, they get the best of you. Uh, you're at, at work. And there's just this one person. There's always that one person, right? And they're not just like unpleasant. They're like, they're out to get me. Or maybe you're that person. And you enjoy being out to get people. But those people don't want to be got by you. You're an adversary. Your, your adversaries, all of you people, school-aged children, colleagues, military types, intelligence types, All of your adversaries are intelligent agents. Which means you have to learn you some artificial intelligence. Chapter four will get you started. Although you'll probably want some momentum going into chapter four. All right, that's it. This has been Retrace one oh six, same time tomorrow, ten PM Eastern. Retrace.com R E T R A I C dot com. Go to the website, it's cool. That's it, signing off.